Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. This week in our Torah reading, we meet Yaakov, Jacob, running away from home. He is running in fear, almost certainly in shame, running away from the consequences of what he had done. Jacob's father Isaac had grown old, and he feared that his death was near. So he called called Esau, his oldest son, to offer him his innermost blessing. But as Esau left to prepare Isaac's favorite meal for him before he got that blessing, Jacob tricked his blind and trusting and elderly father Isaac into thinking that he, that he, Jacob, was actually his brother Esau. He put on animal skin so that he would be hairy like his brother, and he stole from his brother Esau something that could not be replaced. Then, with the enormity of what he had done starting to sink in, Jacob did not ask for forgiveness. He did not try to make amends. Jacob ran away. We've all probably done something that we're not proud of. Maybe taken something that wasn't ours, said something in the heat of the moment that we knew was wrong, deceived someone whom we cared about. In those moments, how many of us acted like Jacob? Evading or avoiding responsibility, running away emotionally, if not physically, leaving the people that we hurt, putting distance between us. In this parasha, in our parasha, Jacob ran until he reached Haran, the birthplace of his mother, Rebekah, and he immediately fell in love with a beautiful maiden, Rachel, who in a very Tennessee turn of events just so happened to be his first cousin. (laughs) Jacob is so enamored with her that as soon as he meets her father, his own uncle Laban, He offers to work for him for seven years in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. Seven years come and go, and on that fateful wedding night that Jacob had been toiling away for, Laban pulls a fast one and switches out Rachel for her older, not-quite-as-pretty sister, Leah, at the altar. When Jacob wakes up next to Leah and not Rachel, he is furious. 
I guess it had probably been really dark the night before. And what's quite troubling in the midst of all of this is there's no mention, of course, of the feelings of poor Leah. But in any case, in our parasha, Jacob says essentially, excuse me, Laban says essentially, don't worry, Jacob, you can still marry Rachel. All you have to do is work for me for seven more years. The trickster, Jacob, has become the tricked. He finally got a taste of his own medicine. But after seven more years of labor, Laban finally does give Jacob Rachel's hand in marriage. But we have to wonder what was going through Jacob's mind all of those mornings, every day as he awoke with, at dawn to tend to Laban's flocks. Did all of those long days of servitude help Jacob to realize the impact of his own deception? Did they lead Jacob to embark on his own path of teshuva, of repentance, of turning himself around? Next week, in our Torah reading, we read about Jacob's reunion with his brother Esau, the first time that they saw each other since Jacob stole the blessing. The question is, had Jacob changed? Well, before their meeting, the night before, we get the story of Jacob wrestling with, the Hebrew is an ish, a man. But this ish is usually interpreted as being actually an angel or maybe even God. But some commentators view this struggle differently. Biblical scholar Robert Alter sums up their position, stating that perhaps Jacob's sparring partner was really, quote, an externalization of all that Jacob has to wrestle with within himself. Perhaps Jacob's feelings in the wake of Levon's deception started him on the path to this internal struggle, realizing and reconciling the impact of Jacob's actions on other people. And that very place, that very spot where Jacob wrestled with his own internal demons, with the person who he had been, striving to be the person he truly wanted to be, Jacob, our ancestor, named that place Pniel, which means here I have seen God face to face. There is something holy about looking into ourselves, wrestling with who we are and deciding that we are meant for another path in life. And when we make that decision, and we commit to change, God is there to embrace and support us along the way. Or maybe it's really what we call God that gives us the power to commit to change in the first place. In the words of Rabbi Mordecai Kaplan, the founder of Reconstructionist Judaism, what God truly is, is the power that makes for salvation. God is the force inside of each one of us that gives us the capacity to be a good person, to make the right choice, to live up to our full potential. Sometimes, too often, we don't embrace that godly power within ourselves. 
We run away from the mistakes that we make. We don't make amends until the shoe is on the other foot, until we see firsthand the suffering that our actions have caused. And sometimes even then, we have too much pride or too much shame to own up to what we have done. So this Shabbat, let us learn from Jacob and embrace the godly and the holy power within each one of us to make teshuva, to make amends. And then perhaps we too can see God face to face. Ken may it be God's will.